Good evening, I'm Rick Dancer, and welcome to uh, kind of a special edition in my mind of Get Real with Rick Dancer. I brought to you by Buck's Sanitary Service. Um, Buck's Scott and Lisa Weld are the greatest in the world, and they love when we find things like what we're going to talk about today. Um, I have worked in, for those of you who don't know, I worked in television news for like 25 years and um, covered numerous stories, um, uh, some of the most uh, heinous crimes, some of the most uh, horrible things that happened in our community. And um, when people ask me what stands out the most, in fact, when I left the news business and I was live on TV and they asked me, what are the stories that impacted you the most? It would have to be the Thurston High School shooting and uh, the disappearance of nine-year-old uh, Nathan Madsen uh, from Vanita. Um, it, I can't tell you why. Um, I, well, I can, and we're going to find out. I have his parents who are going to join us in just a minute. And um, I think for me, it was like a, um, I'd been at KZI for probably whew, just a couple months. I was at KVAL and I transferred over to KZI. So I came there in August and Nathan disappeared in October of 89. So I'd only been there a few months. And um, it was one of those stories that I have never seen humanity pull together so much and do something for people that they didn't even know. It was like a foreign thing to me to see people, um, cowboys and um, women and men. And there's uh, some of our photographers from KUZI would be done with their shift. They'd have a couple days off. They'd go up to the campsite take their sleeping bags, sleep in freezing cold weather, get up the next morning and be part of the search. I have never seen anything like it. In fact, I was reading, and I think this is one of the largest search and rescues that ever has happened in Oregon history. And it was all for a nine-year-old boy. And um, people came from everywhere. I mean, we would interview people and ask them questions. And I mean, Nevada, Montana, um, Colorado people, and they were coming there. They weren't on their way. <laughs> Shemult is not a place you're on your way. They would hear about this and they would come over to do something. Um, I also um, made a couple major errors in my reporting life and um, got corrected. And I don't know if Jerry's going to remember this, but I sure do. <laughs> and uh, so it changed me. Um, a nine-year-old boy who I never met, um, changed the way I did my job. Um, so I'm going to show you, uh, first of all, this is one of the many videos that we did. I'm going to show you the video and then Sarah and Jerry Madsen are going to join us and we're going to talk and you guys can, through questions on here, can answer or ask questions on there too. So I'm going to bring this up. Well, I feel so sorry for him right now because he, he, he's just out of his head because he don't know he's well, yeah. cold, he's hungry. Yeah. He's tired, lonely. It's cold. A blanket of snow is beginning to cover any possible tracks that may have been left by nine-year-old Nathan Madsen or his pony. But everyone's got a job to do. Stay busy. Forget about reality. He's been lost since Sunday. It looks like a rough deal, but everybody, nobody's given up. So we're trying to put up a fly. Say to keep the table dry. 
think they pretty much pretty much covered the whole of the valley area between the two ridges now. But, you know, there's always a chance that we could have missed something. The cold numbs the feet and hands of those crowded around the fire, but not the spirit. There's always a chance, you know, it's, it's, stranger things have happened and, and, and hopefully the boy is a smart little kid and, and, and he's taking care of himself as best he can and as long as he's doing that uh, and people are doing that, then we, there's always hope and we're not going to give up on him. Well, they should find something to do. I hope so. That little boy, I'll tell you, that's terrible. Bless I, I his just, little heart. Yeah. Despite the lousy weather, Nathan's uncle climbs aboard a helicopter to show rescuers where he last saw his nephew. Back at the Madsen's cattle ranch, an air of despair hovers over the campfire. Real miserable. It's deep in snow. It's real deep in snow. We had to turn around and come back out. We couldn't even go in any farther. Last night, search crews found what are believed to be Nathan's horse's hoof prints. The pony tracks are found in this area along the Little Deschutes River. But the prints are probably three days old. Nathan's mom and dad gather around the campfire to show how much they appreciate what these strangers are willing to do to help find their precious son. But there is much to be done. Let's get down there and get some dinner and some lunch because it's going to be a long day. Okay. Well, we want to get on some track. Okay. Okay, guys. Yeah. Start with meat and beans and bread. But behind the busy words and hard smiles is pressing fear. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. Because we don't know where he is. There, there, it's like he vanished. It's like God came down from heaven and picked him and the horse up. I mean, there's not a sign, not a sign. And that little kid has been coming up here for five years. He knows. He knows the area. But it's time to shake the tears, bundle up, and prepare for another cold night. Near Shamalt, with photographer Harry Higgins, I'm Rick Dancer, Eyewitness News. And there's Sarah and Jerry Madsen, uh, the parents of Nathan. Uh, thank you for coming here and doing this. I have wanted to do this for so long. It's been like one of those things that's been like, oh, I can't wait to do this because um, and then and then Jerry sent me something that Paul, a friend of yours who was out there with you, wrote up um, that was in. What was that in, Jerry? Excuse me. I, I would. Oh. Oh. Magazine. I, no. <laughs> yeah. I it was in a video. So, Sarah. Your microphone's being a little funny, but I think we're, I think we'll be okay here. Um, so that was such a, Nathan knew those mountains. He knew that area, didn't he, you guys? Yes. Yeah. Yes, he did. Um, he, he, we'd been going up to the cow camp since he was just little, like, you know, two years old on the other side. And we've been, riding around and driving around up there for a long, long time. He'd been up there with his horse in the same area that he was. He'd been around that a lot. Yeah. He said you couldn't get lost up there. You just have to follow the creek down. That's what he told a friend of his. Really? And yeah. that's, that's yeah. probably what he was doing when he got for the night. Was, you know... 
he was going to spend the night there and then come out the next day by following the creek down. So, and that was an area, like it was like the one section that never got looked at. Yeah. Well, actually, late earlier when we found him, um, my brother and another person walked kind of right over it, but it was in stones. So, but not during the search itself. This was later in the spring when we were going back. Yeah. So what was that? I mean, I, I, it sounds stupid to say, what was it like? But to, to, I, I know you were frantic and it was like a horrible situation, but you had people showing up that it was, it was like, I don't know. <laughs> well, we had some amazing people that came. And some, uh, yeah, why they came, most of them can't tell you why they came. They just thought they should, and they ended up being a part of our lives. Because uh, yeah. that continued. I mean, you still you have friends that you made at that time that are still with you guys today. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Some of yeah. our some of our best friends, well and Paul. And I'll get the name of this magazine. I can't believe I don't have it on the tip of my tongue, but it's <laughs> I'm gonna help you. I have it right here and I can pull it up. I'm going to, um, it's called, uh, beneath Y East is where that article. So how many days did that go on? Like the actual search with the, with the crews, with the official crews. Do you remember? About till, till the end of the, till the end of 89 and then, and then we started, you know, because then it got too much snow and we didn't, you know, we were up there once in a while, but we didn't really search because we had to wait till after the snow melted in the spring, like Memorial Day, it started, you know, we could start getting back in there. And then we felt like we were searching and not going to miss something. I remember the one of the biggest mistakes I ever made, Jerry, and I don't know if you remember it, but you were in your truck. And I remember walking up and I did not know who you were. And I saw the helicopters overhead and I was a pushy little reporter. And I remember saying to you, hey, sir, can you get us up in that helicopter to go get some pictures of this? And you said, um, I, I've got a search right now and I don't really have time to do that. And I said, are you sure there's no way we can get up there? And you were actually very kind, but firm. And then you said, that's my son they're looking for. And you could have put a dagger in my heart. It was like, I went, oh shit. And I had I, I never did that again to an interview or a person ever. And then you were gracious enough to be nice to me because <laughs> I was up there so much. And then do you remember when I came up with you and you were going on a search by yourself out there in the spring to look for his remains. Yeah, and you came up and went into Burnt Creek with you. And, and you were the only reporter we ever took into the wilderness. I remember that because we became friends and you and and but I remember I don't know if you know all this stuff, but you took us in there 
And so I ride, I mean, I've ridden horses. I'm not an expert, but I have ridden horses. And my photographer was with me. And you guys, you and me, went in and we're shooting some video and stuff. And then we got to a point and you said, Rick, I want to keep looking for my boy. Um, do you, can you guys, you know, head back? And we were three or four miles in. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, can, you can find your way back. The horses will guide you, basically take you. You'll be fine. So I said, okay. So we turn, you go on in. We turn around. And Harry Higgins looks at me and he says, do you know how to do this? And I go, no, I think the horses will just take us back. He goes, Rick, an experienced little boy lost, lost here. And he knew what he was doing. And you tell the guy that we're fine and we'll just make it and I was, and and we when we got back, the horse take us back. But as soon as we saw your horse trailer, we told you what to do to take the saddles off and everything. But as soon as we saw that sweat, and it wasn't from working, it was from nerves because I was so scared. And never take me on a story like this with you again, Rick Dancer. You're an idiot. <laughs> so, I, I, my remembrance is when you interviewed me at the airport at Thanksgiving, and I didn't understand the question. I'm not good at interviews. And you probably remember that. I remember that, too, yeah. So when, when you finally found him, it was, it was a day before his birthday? Is that what you said? Two days before his birthday, and you just found remains so it, there wasn't you knew it was you knew it was him yeah so what do you little, think he, go ahead it was his little he set up a little camp that night he got off his horse and took the saddle off put the saddle bag saddle blanket down and and tied his pony up and and that's where we found him is there is there peace in that at all? Well, the fact that we found him, you know. And you know he did the right thing. I mean, he did what he was trained to do. He was by the correct. Yeah, I believe. He, you know, yes. What is that? Um, it, it changes everything in your life from from the moment. There's before his disappearance and after his disappearance. Yes. You never get past it, do you? No. Is that no. kind of... Go ahead, Jerry. Oh, I'm listening to you. <laughs> Somebody, somebody's asking, was the horse with him? The horse came back a couple days after the search started, didn't it? It was a month after. I found the pony a month after. Uh, it was after. You know, it was before Thanksgiving. I found him just before Thanksgiving. So it was a month to the day from when he got lost that I found, you know, yes. He was up there. And I think that he was kind of. As soon as we got down the trail a little ways, he really he then he realized where he was going because I think he was he had been there and you know spent time and was kind of lost himself. 
Well, he probably stayed with Nathan until Nathan died, right? Yes. Well, he was with Nathan. They figured a couple weeks of kind of going in and out and checking on him. Huh. A little, little trail where he'd come down and he'd go feed and then he'd come back. What does that say? What does that tell? What is, uh, that's so interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Horses care about people too. I mean, the kids love the horses. The horses love the kids. So what do you guys miss the most about Nathan? His little smiles. He was kind of a little devil at times. So. Oh, like you? <laughs> yeah. But I think what, what I missed the most was just the noise. It, it was very quiet after we lost him. And someone's yeah. asking, yes, Carol, the horse was alive. So the horse yes. did. Yes. And then, and then the Madsons have another son, Derek, who's the older son. Right. And he's living in Montana and he's doing really well. Do you have any grandkids? No, we have two grand kittens and a grand pup. <laughs> I, I'm, in the same, I'm in the same boat. I have like, I got, I got, I, got I didn't know I'd be a grand puppy father. You know, this is what yeah. it is. So what yes. do you guys say to all those people um, who came out and, and uh, spent time out there helping you guys look for him? And yeah, thank him enough. Uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah. I hope they get comfort knowing that it meant so much to so many people. Yeah. And it's, it still matters to you today to look back. When I go back and look at that video, I just get teary eyed because I remember getting there some days we would get, leave like at three in the morning, get up there at five and the sun was coming up and there was people sleeping everywhere waiting for that day's search to go on. And we didn't see most of those videos. I, I think there were a couple people down here that were putting things together for us. They were keeping copies of the, the your, your newscast that you did in other places and whatnot. But it's like, we didn't see them. We were on the mountain. Yeah. You were looking for your boy. You didn't you care what the news was doing. <laughs> Yeah, but um, yeah. So, are you both are you both retired now? Yes, yes. Wonderful. <laughs> semi, I, I semi retired. Collected who I worked for. So you're just semi retired? Yeah, I fixed home. You know, just for people that I worked for before. But you know. I don't want me customers. <laughs> She's got too much nervous energy to not keep doing something. Well, and Sarah, you're retired, and then you guys are going to go back and visit in Montana, and so you got a, a whole new world ahead of you. Yes. Yeah. I was going to say, we do a pig roast, and we've done one. We did one for 30 years. For, and it started out for the searchers for 
Nathan, but it's kind of a community thing and searchers show up now. Uh, we haven't done one this last year and this year because of the virus, but maybe next year. All right, the, the annual Madsen Pig Roast in Benita, yeah. Oregon. It's, a, it's an event. People need from online, so people are going to be looking and they'll check out the Benita page. Yeah. That's another thing that was really sweet about the whole what happened was your school. You worked at the time, Sarah. You worked at the elementary. Yes. And man, people just came. It, it was it was crushing to the community um, because not only did Nathan go there, you worked there. Right. Right. And that's kind of why we did the pig roast was because we had a reunion on the mountain. And um, and that was for the searchers and the Cascade Calvary, the group that he got so tight with that was part of actually finding Nathan that next spring. So we had done that piece of it, but there were so many community members that did so much for us that how do you thank them all? You can't. And I mean, people were sending us cards and letters and they were sending us donations to help buy food for the search and things like that. And I had friends that were keeping lists and were making sure everybody got thanked, but people didn't, I, I, there was no way I could, I wasn't in a place to do it or a state of mind to do it, to try to thank every one of those people and what they did. I mean, you know, the middle school brought a Christmas tree to us that first year and it was all decorated and they set it up in a big basket of Christmassy things and people made sure Derek had, had Christmas presents and went up on the mountain at Halloween. They took Derek trick-or-treating into Shamal so that, really? he, yeah, so that he could, I mean, he came back with a, <laughs> a case of chocolate, you know, but it was it was something they could do. I you know people were taking care of us in a variety of ways that it really touched you. Sometimes it wasn't what we wanted to have happen, but it still touched us that they tried to do something. Right. So do you so walk away and you think people are basically good? Yeah. And and I think it's sad because some there were some people that came up on the mountain, kind of shady characters. And there were some of the people that probably like, you shouldn't let them be in camp. But it's like, hey, if they're here searching for Nathan, they're here. And you know, they turn out to be salt of the earth people, but people judge people too quickly sometimes. You know, now as I sit here and think about this, it's kind of interesting because I think the the, the virus, the COVID experience has taken some of our humanity away. And this kind of reminds me, your story kind of reminds me of the fires. And when the fires, we lived, we were evacuated, but people came coming out to my house and checking my propane and doing things that, I mean, and it's, I'm, not, I'm not equating to the loss of a child, but I'm thinking, oh, no. I want it's it there is great things in humanity when when tragedy strikes a lot of times our it us 
to go to that place that we're afraid to go to. And with Nathan being a nine-year-old boy, and I think you guys, as the looks on your faces, and here's a mom and a dad and a son, and, and this young man is probably gone. And I think that just that put people in, into a hyper humanity that you just don't find on a regular basis. And without the trauma, that we could bring some of Nathan back of that experience back to culture right now because we need it. We desperately need to need each other again. And Nathan showed people um, that we need each other, you know? Yeah. You guys, thank you so much for just being who you are and doing this. I know that's not easy and it brings up all that stuff again and everything but I think I and I had no idea why I was really doing this except for I've always wanted to do this with those stories but I think now um, maybe it's it really is for all of us we need a little Nathan yep. we need some other Nathan thing right. on right now so we can pull back together and stop fighting and start remembering that it's our humanity that matters in the end. It's not whether we agree on a mask or not. It's not about the vaccine or the non-vaccine. It's not about any of that. It's about taking care of each other as a community. And we we can do it. Nathan showed it. This can happen. Jerry, thank you. And Sarah, thank you very much. It's great having you on. If you if our pros, if our Montana, we'll have to go see each, hang out together because our sons live about 20 miles from each other <laughs> no i'd love to you I'll, I'll keep in touch with you we'll find out when you're there and then maybe if we cross a path we can at least have a coffee or something like that yes well All right. at least we can maybe meet your son so that'd be nice yeah i want to get our boys together jesse can take him out fit because derek will he'll love him <laughs> okay All right. Thanks, Take you care. guys. We'll see you later. You betcha. So there you go. God, maybe that is exactly what we need. Um, maybe that's why we do these things. I don't know. I did it just because I think they're wonderful people. Um, I've seen how their life has moved along. And quite honestly, that that child I never met impacted my life and I that's where I'm a lucky guy because I get to do stories and things that make me feel every night when I drove home I would we drive over there I have to have the story written before I got back to the newsroom so I could get on to anchor too because I anchored as well and I but I wanted to go do this story because I felt like it was my story and I wanted to go do this and so on the way back I'd write in the car and pull sound bites give it to the photographer he'd throw it together and then I'd go out on the set but on the way home every day I'd be crying thinking, oh my God, how do people, because you'd hear people saying stuff. And still when that lady in the soundbite, when she said, it's like God came down, I still remember her saying that. It's like God came down and picked him and that horse up before they found the horse and just took him away. And, um, but now on this side of it, you know, um, I think that Nathan can still teach us something today. Um, a nine-year-old boy can still show us how to bring our lives, bring our communities back together. It's not about all this stuff. Somebody asked me, and I'm gonna put it on here right now too. Somebody, I, it's a podcaster and someone sent this to me. I thought this was so amazing. He said, hold on. 
He said, okay, so if somebody promised you, and this your answer can be different than anybody else's, but if somebody promised you five years, but you could never hug anybody outside your family, you could never go out in public, and you couldn't go dancing or do any of those kind of things, would you take that five years or would you not? I think it's a great thing to leave at the end of this. Um, if I had lost a child and I could have five years and just spend it hugging that child, I'd take those five years. But for me personally, at this end of it, I don't know. But isn't that a great question? Just to sit and ponder on and think, if I had five years, I'm offered five years, God comes down and says, you get five years, Rick, but these are the rules, you can't do any of these things, will you take it? My first question would be, I guess, <laughs> if I had lost someone in my life like that, I say, well, well, maybe for me it would be my mom. Can I have my mom back for for five? <laughs> then I might do it. But otherwise, I don't know if I could trade the hugs, um, the picnics, um, the the pig barbecue, um, all that other stuff that goes along with life. It's, it's a funny thing, isn't it? All right. Have a great night, you guys. Um, I really appreciate you tuning in. Share this on your page so other people can see that. Tomorrow night, I've got a super interesting gentleman coming on. His name is Herb Yamanaka. Um, Herb is 86 years old. He's worked at the University of Oregon for decades. Everybody knows him. He's of Japanese descent. He's going to come on and talk to us about shame and honor as two cultural things for the Japanese and how we are lacking that in our community. But he's also going to talk to us about racism uh, with, among Asian Americans. Um, but this is a racism that goes way, way back. And then on Thursday, I've got some parents coming on and their children are local and they died of fentanyl overdoses and they're pissed and they're frustrated and they're having a big rally in Salem this weekend and they're going to come on and talk with us about um, how their children died and what happened um, and a warning for you as parents because this shit is bad and they barely had any and they're dead so that's on Thursday night. All right. I'm Rick Dancer. We will talk to you. We'll see you tomorrow night. Stay online. And again, thank you, Madsons, for uh, joining us and sharing a little bit of your life and reminding us that we need some Philip Madsen or Nathan Madsons. I always call it. I want to say Philip, and I don't know why I do that. Some Nathan Madsen in our life. If I call him Philip over and over again, I am so sorry, but I just have that stuck in my head. And when you get in your 60s, you can't get stuff like that out. <laughs> it just won't leave. So it's Nathan Madsen. I don't know if I said it that many times. I'm not going to go back and look, but Sarah and Jerry always have forgiven me. So if the rest of you don't, it doesn't really matter <laughs> as long as they do. All right. Have a good night. See you later.